Hotel. That's right. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Goodness gracious, you're listening to This American Podcast Comedy Edition. I am Tony Visick coming to you live, unless you've downloaded as a podcast, then it's in the past. Live from the ComedySchools.com studios, high above Scottsdale at the second coolest corner in Scottsdale. I'm going to tell you about the first coolest corner in just a moment. We're at the corner of Goldwater and Camelback. But this weekend, and he's already started this week, so we're actually like a, a day late, and as always, a dollar short, but we're a day late speaking with uh, someone who I have known and admired and uh, for many, many years, Harry Basil. Harry, how are you? Great, man. How are you? You know, uh, I'm doing fantastic. Uh, you know, one of the things I love about doing uh, this show is being able to reconnect with uh, a lot of the great comics I got to meet when I was on the road. I was on the road for 15 years and then moved into uh, uh, more of a stationary, in other words, not traveling uh, uh, part of our business, producing and promoting shows, etc. And I got to reconnect with you. Harry Basil is at the Scottsdale Laugh Factory tonight for two shows, Saturday for two shows, Sunday. Are you staying for the Sunday show, Harry? Are you too big for the yes, Sunday I show? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I'm a I'm, I'm Sunday guy. I, uh, I do Sundays. Okay, so uh, Friday, two shows Friday, two shows Saturday, one show Sunday. You can find out about all of them by going to scottsdalelaughfactory.com or by connecting with me on Facebook, Tony Visick, V-I-C-I-C-H, or emailing us at comedyschools at hotmail.com, and we can hook, hook you up with a couple of passes. So, Harry, this is you were in town a few months ago. Yes. With uh, uh, You were in town. I mean, it was like, it was like a... a I would say it was a uh, six-time headliner bill because it was three quality headliners on one show. It was you, it was Michael Finney, and it was Paul Rodriguez. Right. And you, can I ask you this? You have, if you want to talk about this, I don't know, you are instrumental in putting together, packaging up uh, the comics that come to us in Scottsdale. Isn't that correct? Yes, I am. I, I, I do help book the uh, club along with Jamie Masada and... Um you know, also I book uh, the uh, Las Vegas Laugh Factory and the Reno Laugh Factory. Yeah, you know, that's one of the fantastic things that I see you and Jamie and uh, uh, whoever. I don't know if Paul is involved with uh, with uh, all the other things you're doing, but I see that you and Jamie Massad are doing what I think are some very cool things, and I'll tell you what they are. Not only have you opened up a very cool club here in town, uh, which uh, is at 7000 East Shea Boulevard, which is the coolest corner in all of Scottsdale, Scottsdale and Shea. Uh, not only have you opened that up, but you, buddy, are opening up clubs everywhere. You're like the Johnny Appleseed of comedy clubs now. Well, yeah, I kind of got kind of got into it. You know, I mean, uh, you know, obviously, I started as a comic and then uh, you know worked with Rodney Dangerfield for like 20 years and did a bunch of his movies with him, co-wrote a bunch of his movies, and met you know some movie producers that had money. And uh, so I got this movie producer partner of mine, Joseph Murray, who made like over 100 films uh, to uh, start financing the Las Vegas you know, we financed the Las Vegas club and then Reno and Coronado and um, we're looking into other markets so uh, yeah that's that's kind of how I got into it you know it's pretty cool uh, being it's like producing movies uh, in a sense uh, you're producing these comedy shows and putting everything together or opening up a venue uh, a new venue and Scottsdale I'm not an owner of that one but I but I've been hired to be the booker of that one. And it's, you know, it's been tough. 
there's a lot of comedy, a lot of great comedy in uh, Scottsdale and Phoenix area. You know, there's a lot of other really good competing clubs. So we're kind of, you know, we're a big brand, but we're, and we open in the middle of the summer, which is kind of tough, but uh, it is a beautiful club and we've got some big, big ideas coming up and uh, it's been, it's been fun. You know, and the people are great in Scottsdale. They really do come out and support comedy. Well, I want to uh, I want to talk about that uh, for a moment. I tell you, I, first off, I want to tell you what I think is cool about what you guys are doing. Uh, I noticed a trend over the years. I've been involved in, in in our business for thirty years, and I noticed a trend of people uh, as new people are coming along. Guys who still are just incredible, and the new and the new people uh, need a stage, and we need to hear their voice. But uh, sometimes, really great comics being. Um, all of a sudden, not seeing him in a market. I hadn't seen um, uh, John Campanera in this market for years, and John Campanera is one of the funniest guys. And was one of the, one of the, our favorite interviews. He came in and did it live. Uh, you were bringing. You have Rich Scheidner on a regular basis. I know at your Vegas uh, your Vegas room. So you're doing this great combination of things as far as your booking philosophy. Correct me if I'm wrong. You were helping develop uh, uh, new performers. Uh, uh, you did me a favor and looked at a friend of mine a few weeks ago in Las Vegas and helping develop new performers and giving them really in, input in on and giving them work. But a lot of guys who were kind of being shoved out of the giant, the giant uh, uh, cookie cutter box comedy clubs, which seem to be the thing now, being shoved out because they're not the hottest thing on Comedy Central. You're bringing them in and they're funnier than a lot of the people we see on television today. Is this a philosophy, or is this just what you're doing? What's your thought well, behind this? Well, you know what? Listen, like I said, we, 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 we stepped into a crowded market. You know, obviously, Tempe and, uh, you know, Stand Up Live corner of the market are all the famous comics. The rooms hold, like, five or 600. And there are some big acts, you know, a lot of those acts that play those two clubs, uh, especially Stand Up Live, uh, uh, play the Laugh Factory in Hollywood or play the other locations or do Vegas or do Coronado, but they can't play uh, our club um, because they're kind of exclusive. Uh, they get brought in every year, once or twice a year, and they play the other improvs on the road. Uh, so it's very tough when you go into an area that has a big giant like that. And we're, we're a big name, too. But then there were a few, a few smaller clubs in town. Uh, we're, we're bringing in better acts than they are. I don't want to name any other clubs. Sure. But uh, they're great comics, great solid comics that have uh, great credits, and they kill it. They bring it. So I just want to make sure that there's fantastic acts. Uh, there's a lot of new, hip, younger comics that are coming in, too. Uh, they're headlining and have big social media following. And uh, we are developing uh, and booking uh, a lot of local acts, too. There's a lot of great local talent in uh, in Scottsdale, and some of them are, you know, features and headliners. Uh, we we are using them as hosts right now, but sure, several of them have several of them have already gone to Vegas and have played the Vegas uh, venue and played uh, are going to play the uh, Reno venue. So it's actually really good for them. You know, they they're, they're coming over, and uh, the general manager is booking a lot of these local acts, and I've gotten to see some, like as you mentioned. Uh, uh, Jonathan Gregory, who's a local comic, and I find him absolutely hysterical. He's just so freaking out there. <laughs> you know, you got to try to figure out how to use him. He's not famous enough to be a headliner for us or a feature for us. I'm just talking Frank, and he knows this, and so do you. Uh, and he, he's just too bizarre to open the show. But we'll find us. We'll find a spot. You know, well, we're going to talk about that. Paul Hop and I were just talking about him yesterday, and about you know maybe even seeing if we can use him. Um, 
you know, down the line, uh, you know, in a future spot. Just, he really makes me laugh. Well, two things before we, I, I want to ask you about, about your act and how you started and where you started, some of which I know, but uh, uh, you mentioned how the Laugh Factory is being uh, an incredible instrument, it's being incredibly helpful with local acts. October 14th at the Laugh Factory, uh, we, uh, ComedySchoolsRadio.com, are putting on a, a showcase called Tony Visick Presents, only because I'm never good with coming up with unique names. So uh, the Laugh Factory is offering a showcase for a lot of this quality, some of uh, professional local talent, October 14th. And I want to give a shout-out to Paul Hopp, and I want to tell you why. Because uh, this is some of the cool things you guys are doing. Last Wednesday, a week from, uh, you know, last Wednesday, uh, Laughs TV, Fox's Laughs TV, came in and did a televised taping of comics for their upcoming shows. And I saw the lineups that Fox was bringing in from people they had auditioned or uh, reviewed links or tapes all over the country. And there were no local acts. And I went, well, that's fine. But Paul Hopp, I know this, insisted to the producer that uh, at least three local acts go, I want you to put these guys on. Now, we know that laughs, like old Showtime Comedy Club Network, you just tape a bunch of guys. Sometimes you made it on, sometimes you didn't. Uh, but they taped these local acts, and Paul Hopp, the general manager, kind of insisted, not in a rude way, that they look at these guys, and they were kind enough, by the way, to do it. And through your club, through the club you book, through Paul's club, Paul and Paul, that's what we call it, Paul and Paul, uh, yeah, we're going to have some guys that are local that I'm pretty sure uh, are going to make it onto national television for the first time. So that's some of the stuff you're doing. But I want to talk to you about unique acts for a moment. I'm going to tell you why. You want to know why I want to talk to you about unique acts? I would love to know why you want to talk about it. Because you are one of the most unique acts I ever saw. I oh. saw you, the first time I ever saw you was in Dallas, and we talked about this because you had kind of a personal story, not having to do with me, but a personal story about... Dallas in, I want to say, 1988 or 89. And we were working at a club in Dallas. I was the opening act. A guy named Spanky was a feature act. You were the headliner. And I'd heard your name. And I was more of a Melrose improv guy. And you started the comedy store. And if you remember in those days, if you crossed Sunset, it was like um, doing... Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, like, it was like mafioso, you know, back then. Uh, you know, Mitzi, Mitzi, had, Mitzi Shore, who owned the last the comedy store, had her stable of comics. Uh, and she didn't want them to play the improv. And then Bud had his guys, and he didn't care as much, but but he kind of did, you know, with the road clubs later on. So, and then there were the New York comics that came out that were already improv guys who kind of sneaked down, and Mitzi kind of looked the other way a little bit. But it was tough. There were guys that got banned because Mitzi had spies who would, you know, go by the, uh, you know, the improv and just kind of hang out at the bar and see who the lineup was and then, you know, go to a payphone. I don't even remember what a payphone was. It was a, <laughs> a telephone that was mounted on a wall and you could put coins in it and make a phone call. No. His credit card. No. It was, yeah, so, if you... So, yeah, there was, there was, there was, so I, I was a, definitely a comedy store comic. You were, and if you cross Sunset, don't cross back. I mean, when I first yeah. was made a regular at the Melrose Improv, I was told by a comic going, I'm telling you this, they'll never say it, but if you go up and work the store, don't come in and ask for spots. I go, well, they haven't given me any spots in three months. They go, well, you have the right to be turned down right now. <laughs> yeah. You have the right to be well, turned now, down, right? Yeah. Now, now you, you, you'll, you'll go by, you know, the Laugh Factory, which is on Sunset, Boulevard and see Crystalia advertise and then drive down to the 
comedy store, which was three blocks away, and he, he advertised there. And then he was also doing a spot over at the uh, at the Improv, you know. And uh, you know, it's great. I mean, uh, I think it's great for the comics because it, look, it's all about convenience or which venue you like better. But you're going to see great shows at all three of the clubs, and there's a lot of great clubs in uh, Scottsdale, you know. And uh, sure. But if but people could come to the Laugh Factory, not pay as much as you're paying over at uh, the other two venues, and just see really great comics, you know. And uh, it's a great and, spot. And, we, and, we, and we've got and we've got some big acts uh, that we're discussing with uh, that don't play those other two rooms. They're going to be coming, uh, you know, uh, in like December, January, which. Sure, we don't want to know about that. We don't want to mention names yet, but I'd, I'd heard I'd heard a couple of rumors, and uh, it's pretty exciting stuff. But I want to get back to you for a second. When we talk about unique acts, so I'd been on the road for a while, and I'd work where one guy went up and talked, and then another guy went up and talked, and then another guy went up and talked, and theoretically, each guy talking was funnier than the earlier guy. And you came out, and you do. I try to describe it to people. I, you're, you're, I don't know if you still use this line. You come out and go, as you can tell, I like movies a hell of a lot. Because you yeah. opened up with, you actually act out films in a funny way, parodying films where you play all the characters. You have music, you have lights. It is the most different thing. To that point, I'd, ever, I'd seen on a stand-up stage. It was hilarious. The crowd went nuts. So did you make a, when you started out as a comic and everybody was trying to be George Carlin or Richard Pryor, what made you go, well, I want to go up there and do these these set pieces with costumes and sound and lights? You know what it was? Yes. I, I used to go to, I used to go to, I wanted to be an actor. I moved out to Hollywood in the 80s and wanted to be an actor. And and, I, and I've been a fan of comedy, you know, comedy movies and stuff, but I, I'd never been in a comedy club before. The only stand-up I'd ever seen was on The Tonight Show. So um, somebody was visiting a friend said hey you know I was, I was working as a waiter at the Sherman Universal they said oh go to the comedy store on Sunset Monday night is amateur night it's free to get in but after the amateurs go on all the pros go on you know and all you gotta do is buy a drink or two so we went and sat through the amateurs and I was like oh this is interesting you know these guys are auditioning and you know some guys are doing stand up some guys are doing impressions then as the show went on I saw some really great professional comics like Louie Anderson and um, Paul Rodriguez and then I saw Andrew Dice Clay and Jim Carrey and they used music in their act they used tapes you know and like Jim would act out a scene from On Golden Pond right and do impressions <laughs> and, and I could always do one of the great comedy films on Golden Pond yes yeah 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 and I and which was hot then because it was in the 80s you know and uh and I could always do impressions. Ever since I was a little kid, I do a lot of impressions. And then I saw Dice, you know, and Dice was doing that character. Um, and he, but he was using music too. And I was like, oh wow, you could use music. I didn't know that. Or oh, you could use props. So Indiana Jones was really popular then. And uh, I had gone to Magic Mountain and uh, bought a whip, uh, <laughs> you know, for like seven bucks. And I was in the living room just goofing around with my friend, my roommate. And I started humming the music and uh, I, filled up a, a big garbage bag with air and pretended it was a boulder, you know, and held it above my head. And I was just making him laugh. And I was like, oh, he, you know, he was going, this is really funny. And it was sophomoric. But um, I decided to add to it. Like, you know, I went and bought a couple soundtracks and, uh, um, you know, had a leather jacket like Indiana Jones. And I sewed big spiders on the back, you know, and 
Then I bought as many rubber snakes as I could find. Like I was thinking all these things in the movie. Like you had to see the movie to understand it. But even if you didn't see the movie, it was just kind of silly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and, uh, and one day I went to Tower Records on Sunset Boulevard, which is not there anymore. And uh, incidentally, someone just did a big documentary on that too. Yeah. I yeah. Who it is? A comedian. A comedian's got a documentary coming out about it. But uh, or or an actor. Anyway, I went in there and. I, I had never been to a record store before. I wasn't, you know, I didn't, I wasn't big into music as a kid. And I saw the soundtrack section, and it was like that shot in Jaws when Roy Scheider's on the beach and the little kid is getting eaten by the raft, and it's called the Volley, Z-O-L-L-Y, where it zooms in while the camera's being pulled back. And it just like, this epiphany hit me, and I started seeing all these albums, like Rocky and Risky Business and Scarface and... And I just started writing Superman. I just started writing my act right there. I was like, I just started grabbing all these albums. And I thought of bits that I could do. And, and the whole act is, you know, it's kind of like Taratopi to Danny Gans, you know, impressions and uh, parroting movies and pulling people out of the audience uh, to be my co-stars. And, and Mitzi saw the act the following week. And uh, I was her runner at the time, and I was a doorman just getting a few spots and she was like you're a headliner and uh so from that that weekend on that she saw me do this new act uh i was um you know like one of her favorite closers well, yeah, and, and then i just kept adding movies then kept adding movies and and you add newer movies i saw you a few months ago here at the uh, laugh factory um if you're just uh tuning in which would be kind of weird because it's a 50 shades 50 shades is the newest one that's yeah added, you know yeah. you know we're talking with Harry Basil, who is at the Scottsdale Laugh Factory, scottsdalelaughfactory.com, all weekend, two shows Friday, two shows Saturday, one show Sunday. This is what amazed me when I saw you a few months ago and we kind of reconnected, was uh, I I still do stand-up, and at some point about 10 years ago, I used to take the mic out of the microphone stand and wander the stage and jump around. About 10 years ago, I went, I think I could be funny just standing still. And that wasn't, a, um, that wasn't an artistic decision, that was a life decision. But you, uh, to this day, doing the number of shows you do, and you put out this an incredible amount of energy every night. How do you do that? I know you think I'd be you think I'd be thinner. <laughs> I wasn't going to say and that, like, but yeah. And let's listen. I was just I was headlining at the Marina Left back at Silver Legacy about a month ago. The altitude was so high up there, and I was like, "Holy mackerel, this is killing me." You know, but uh, but then the week afterwards, I was in Vegas at a, a lower altitude, and I had all this energy because you know boxers train at a higher altitude. Yeah, you know, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, you know, my wife has actually given me a time limit. It's like when I'm 60 years old, I'm not allowed to do this act anymore. So I I have I have about six years to uh, come up with just an act where I'm not jumping around or carrying props or doing anything that could, because I've broken my foot, I've, I've torn my ACL, I've uh, torn my rotator's cuff, uh, cut myself a lot, you know, I've injured myself a lot. See? I actually have a, I have a cyst in my stomach, thank God it's not dangerous, but from doing Mission Impossible, leaping onto a stool on my stomach, yeah, like yeah. Tom, Tom Cruise, when he's in the first one, when he's in that room and he drops down on the rope, you know, and and, it, and he's suspended in midair. So, like, all these times smashing my stomach onto a bar stool, a wooden bar stool, has taken its toll. So, yeah, I've got to, i got to, you know, I've got to uh, step it down a few notches. You know, uh, Argus Hamilton saw me one time a few years ago. Argus and I are old friends, and, and I had just come from the gym, and I was in this comedy club. He goes, Tony, 
while you're working out, you haven't lifted anything heavier than a microphone stand in 25 years. But your That's case, right. it, it takes a, it, it, it takes a little, uh, you, you have to stretch a little bit. You know, you might hire a couple of opening acts and narrate as you have them jump around. Yeah, that might be yeah. your well, act you know when you're 60. It's funny, you just remind me of a couple of things, but uh, uh, I want to give a shout out to, to Southwest Airlines and thank them for having two free bags because it would cost a fortune for me, you know, now I have to fit everything in the two bags, and it's 80 pounds is the heaviest bag, so I try to make that prop bag like exactly 80 pounds, and you know, so I'll stick all these other things and carry on. Like I've got, I've had two lightsabers, you know, and, <laughs> and a Darth Vader mask, and a, a baby doll, and a water pistol, a, a fake steak, and a butcher knife, you know? And they're like going through my stuff, you know, TSA, and. Like they're they're checking out the lightsabers, like that they're not a real weapon. <laughs> oh my god! It's hysterical, yeah. But but uh, but yeah, it's been pain in the neck carrying all that stuff. Well, you know, now I mean, we got these big duffel bags with wheels on it. You know, there's tons of stuff I want to talk to you about, and I know you'll be back because you know, as someone who started what you did, you mentioned a couple names that you saw. You, you were um, you were present at the creation, in a sense, for so many uh, people who are now. Um, household names, be it Dice Clay or Jim Carrey. And I want to talk to you about that more the next time we talk. But before we go, uh, you were very close with Rodney Dangerfield. And you worked yeah. with Rodney. And can you give us a couple of insights about what made him such a funny man and such a sweet guy, as I understand it? He loved comedians. He loved young comics. He loved to help them out. It's, it's obvious in his HBO specials. And I was fortunate to be in the very first, you know, the ninth annual Young Comedian special that he hosted. And he handpicked all the comics in that. And uh, it was Andrew, no, it was uh, Sam Tennyson, Louis Anderson, Yakov Smirnoff, Bob Faggot, Bob Nelson, Rita Redner, Maurice Lamarche, and myself, and Louis Anderson. And it was the high, it was, at the time, it was the highest rated young comedian special that they had. And Sam broke out and became huge, and sort of Bob Nelson. And HBO loved it so much, even though every year they do a new one. Uh, with a new famous host, they gave Rodney his own special every year. After yeah. That. And it was the same format. And he would do some funny sketches and stuff like that, but he was getting paid like $2 million uh, a special. That's a lot of money for an HBO special back then. And what he would do is he would produce the special out of the $2 million. So he might make the special for, you know, three, 400000 or something and pocket the rest. And they were really high rated. The second one, had Tennyson in it uh, again and Roseanne Barr and that really launched her career. Was it, didn't Harry Hicks Seinfeld start on one of those two? Seinfeld. Bill Hicks? Hicks was in one, Seinfeld, Robert Townsend, Jeff Altman. Um, uh, uh, Nelson he used a couple of times. Tim uh, Allen, uh, Jeff Foxworthy, Thea Vidal. I mean, there was a lot of, and, and Dice was in the third one that had uh, Barry Sobel, Lenny Clark, uh, Schimmel and um, and Dice and Dice exploded out of that. Sure, you know what I mean. Yes, and uh, he he, you know, in, in in the movies that we did together, you know, uh, after working on a couple movies with him, uh, I co-wrote Ladybugs with him, and you know, got to work with some really big Hollywood players, you know, Al Ruddy who produced The Godfather and and uh, Longest Yard. Uh, we did a couple of movies together, and he was like, man. I think you can direct the next one, you know? Really? So he let me direct, yeah, so I directed the last two movies. They went straight to video, 
because you know, he was like 82 at this time and not sure. as hot as he used to be. But, you know, there were, you know, $3 million budget and $2.5 million budget. And, I mean, I never would have had that. I, I directed a bunch of movies after that, but I never would have had that opportunity if it wasn't for Rodney. And every time we cast a movie, he wanted to put, you know, who would be great in this role? Charlie Fleischer, man. We should put him in this. Dalmai River would be great in this, you know? Dice would be great in this. So we put a lot of comedians into our films, and it was great. And even when I started making horror films uh, and thrillers, I, I would still use comics, because comics, there's a lot of comics that are great actors. But he opened up the door for a lot of comics, uh, me included. I was very close with him. He was like a dad to me, and we've been opening actor 17 years, and uh, I think about him and talk about him every day, and my life is always something that pops up, you know. You know, it's fascinating as you uh, as you uh, describe this man who you obviously are, all of America was always fond of him. You were fond of him personally as well. He rubbed off on you because he gave so many young comics their breaks. And now you, with what you're doing, and, he, and so many comics who you mentioned that were, you know, well-known, but maybe, uh, uh, you know, they didn't get the sitcom, but they were still working, and him going, they'd be great in this movie. That is exactly what you're doing with your clubs. It's exactly what you're doing. You're giving guys a second or third chance. You're giving uh, new guys a chance. Uh, you're reviving careers. Uh, I know that for a fact because I know a couple guys who just weren't working until you really started using them again. And now, they're, and now you can't book them. Do you run into that where you give a guy a break and you use them and then all of a sudden you go, oh, he goes, oh, I can't, you know, I'm going to uh, Tahiti for a month. Well, yeah, that, that, that's happened. You know, that's happened with some comics that got the real big and then you understand that their money has gone up and, uh, and you're happy for them and stuff like that. And listen, if you're good to those guys, uh, they'll come and work with you somewhere, you know. Sure. Uh, there are a lot of guys out there like Adam Ray, who's a great act, a uh, good-looking young comic, kills... He's in the movie The Heat. He plays the villain. You know, there's that scene where he and uh, Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCarthy are out on the dance floor, dirty dancing, and he's going to be in Ghostbusters, and he was on Workaholics, a lot of shows, and this kid's going to be real big. And we're, we use him a lot. We use, we use him in all of our clubs, and uh, I know his money will go up, and uh, we'll pay his fee when he goes up, and hope that he still you know, performs at our club. And Theo Vaughn is another guy that I think is absolutely hysterical. You know, yeah. Uh, comic was so hip and um, you know sometimes they get to a stage where they're so big uh, but you know maybe you know maybe I'll tell you something though it's worth bringing them in because even though you're paying more money you, you pack the room and in the end you wind up making more money and it puts your club on the map so I'm, I'm rooting for a lot of these guys to become stars you know and just to remain friends with them and uh, you know be happy for their for their success their well, Harry, I want to thank you for, um, I, first off, I want to thank you for uh, taking the time to uh, speak with us, and I want to thank you for... Uh, yeah, listen, it's going to be a great show. Uh, uh, I love what you're doing for comedy in, uh, in uh, Scottsdale and Phoenix area as well, and uh, it's a great show. Raj Sharma is on the show. He's a headliner. He's a Hindu comic, uh, you know, from India, so I know there's a big uh, um, following uh, in, uh, in the area. Uh, he's hysterical. He was on the Access of Evil Comedy Tour. He's he's a brilliant comic. You're gonna love him. So it's like two headliners this week, you know. And come sit in the front row if you want to get pulled on stage and, <laughs> and have your balls. That's right. You do me. that, yeah. Yeah. All right. So that we, we, we've been speaking with Harry Basil. He is at the Scottsdale Laugh Factory all weekend. That's ScottsdaleLaughFactory.com. Two shows Friday, two shows Saturday, one show Sunday. Hit us up at ComedySchools at Hotmail.com or just hit me Tony Visig up on Facebook. 
We can hook you up with a couple of tickets. Harry, thank you so much, and uh, we will see you at the shows this weekend. Telling you the best, man. Have a great one. All right, pal. Be well. Bye. You are listening to This American Podcast, Comedy Edition on ComedySchoolsRadio.com. That was Harry Basil, one of the nice guys, one of the smart guys, and one of the funny guys in the state of comedy business. We will be back in just a moment with more weirdness. <laughs>